Good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. You guys awake out there? I know it's fall break. Glad you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, let me just say, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. I know there's a lot of other places you could have been. Let me just, um, uh, if you are visiting with us this morning, I want to bring you up to speed on a few things. Um, one, Pastor David, our lead pastor, uh, is not here this weekend, um, so I'm not the main guy. He is. But I um, just want to encourage you guys he, to pray for him. Uh, he's out of town on a uh, kind of a men's retreat with several men from our church at a, um, a ministry called Iron Man Outdoor Ministries. And if you know anything, a couple years ago, uh, Pastor David, he did this Iron Man, you know, actually did several. Um, but, uh, but that's not what this is. This is a little bit different. This is more like um, kind of hunting, fishing, outdoor, that sort of thing, doing some exploratory work for maybe some things we can do as men in our church and, and uh, future retreat options and things like that. So just pray for him. Pray for those guys that are on the trip with him. Uh, that'll be fruitful. And uh, another couple of announcements I want to make before we dive into the message um, is uh, MNOW, Missions Now. It's a thing our student ministry does every year. It's an awesome opportunity coming up October 23rd and 24th. It's only $25 per student, so make sure you sign up. That'll be an awesome opportunity for uh, you guys to be a part. Um, also, you can sign up online or see uh, Pastor Gabe. Also, um, just kind of want to, as, as we draw to a close with this vertical series that Pastor Dave has been leading us in, it's a really huge part of the, our life as a church. If, as I said, if you're visiting with us for the first time uh, this week or last week, uh, you know, things may be a little bit different, but uh, it's been a very powerful time for us as a church. And, and so uh, um, for those of you know that last week we had a commitment Sunday where we committed financially to what God uh, what God is calling us to do to, to build a, a, for the first time in 10 years to have a permanent home for us, uh, not just a rented facility, not an old warehouse or something like that. But, uh, and so God really blessed. It was a very exciting time last week. I will tell you, uh, we are still counting and collecting. A lot of you guys, uh, maybe you missed last week, but we heard from a lot of folks who said we're uh, still bringing in. But also, uh, I'm not even about to tell you how much it was because uh, that, I think that's Pastor David. You know, he's been working on this and been a, a part of this for so long. I think that's his privilege just to celebrate with us next uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday. And so we want to encourage you guys to be a part of that, to be a part of our celebration Sunday. It'll be uh, two big parts that day. One will be the morning service, so make sure you're here to celebrate um, just what God is doing as we kind of uh, look back on our past and look forward. But also that evening from 5 to 7 on the new church property, on the land, out there, we're going to have a groundbreaking ceremony. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a lot like the um, the or the fall festivals we've done before. We'll have bouncy houses and snacks and games for the kids to play and stuff like that. So bring the whole family out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but also, we're going to have some uh, you know some big trucks and all that cool stuff. We'll have the cool shovels, throw some dirt, and but everybody will get to be a part. And so we're really excited about that. So I want you guys to come and be a part of the uh, groundbreaking ceremony next. Uh, Sunday, that, that celebration that morning and the groundbreaking ceremony that night from 5 to 7. So uh, what I want to do is just uh, pray, just ask the Lord to continue to lead us and guide us as we go and as we commit ourselves to studying God's Word. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, even this morning as we have come before your very throne, even, even as we have heard from you and you have heard from us, we have worshiped you for who you are because you are worthy. So, Father, I pray as we go into the rest of this service, Lord, as we hear from your word, as we, I pray that you would help us to understand. I help, pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives, that we might know you and know your plans for our lives in a more specific way. Father God, we, as we come, Lord, as we think about where you have taken us to and where you're taking us, 
taking us to, Lord. We just are just blown away by who you are and, and the amazing mercy and grace that you even allow us to be a part of this journey. Father, we just stand in awe of that, Lord. So this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, reveal to us how we can continue to be a part of this journey. So, Father, we pray you be with us this morning as we read and as we understand your word. And we pray and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this week, uh, you know, last week we kind of talked through, Pastor David walked us through how the people of Israel, they crossed over the River Jordan. We're in Joshua chapter 4. For those of you guys that want to turn there, it's where we'll be this morning, kind of picking up where we left off last week. And, you know, just to kind of as you turn now, I want to remind you guys what happened. You know, the, uh, the, the, the priests, the Israelite priests, they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they they stepped into the Jordan River and, and the Lord miraculously stopped the river and uh, they walked across on dry land, very, very similar to what happened at the Red Sea. It was just an amazing testimony. It says, and, and the priests, they stood in the river with the Ark of the Covenant until all the people walked over, until all the people came over. And, I, you know, I was just, uh, as Pastor Dave was sharing about that last week, and, uh, you know, and then a, a few short moments later, he challenged us all to come forward with our gifts, uh, our financial gifts, in, in order to, to have a permanent home. One of the things, that the reflections of, uh, this church that I saw in the Word was this amazing. Uh, I got to come in during the end of first service, and I heard this happen in the second service too, even though I was down here with you guys participating in this. But, you know, what was so, so just uh, made me so happy and so joyful was when I looked out at, as people were coming down, there was not anybody sitting in their seats. There were a few visitors who were very obviously visitors and they were like what is going on here if you're visiting with us we don't do that every week right but but it was just an amazing time to see that every single person participated in that with us that all gave some and so that was just very encouraging to me and to us as a staff and leadership we're so thankful for that and and it was it was so awesome to see that that same kind of thing mirrored in the scripture that all people came across and so as we go into this week and we're talking about you know really the question begins Okay, so what now? What's next? You know, and uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. You know, uh, seeing Israel living by faith, and last last week with us giving by faith. The question is, okay, so what happens after the river? You know, after we cross the river, then what do we do? You know, uh, as a staff and leadership, we've not fooled ourselves. You know, into thinking like, you know, we've been very clear that going all the way up to this point, this is kind of the finish line. Last week was crossing that finish line, but in a lot of ways, it's really just crossing the starting line for us. You know, the next year is going to be about a, a year of building, you know, um, a year of building a building, but also a year of building up ministries to prepare for what God is going to bless us with. And I just want you to know, I just want you to pray for your, your staff and your pastors and your leadership here at Crosspoint because we are tired. We are weary. We've been working and, and putting in lots and lots of extra hours and lots of overtime and lots of, uh, you know, stuff like that so that we can see this happen and we're not crazy. We, we know that that's going to continue to happen. That's the case. So please pray for your staff and your leadership. But when you come to a place like that where you realize that, you really have to pause and re-examine what God is doing. And that's what we want to do this morning for all of us as we go forward. And so Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. And y'all read with me here. It says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up to Gilgal. And he, excuse me, set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall tell your children, 
Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So here's this question, you know, they've come over, everyone is over, and now we're over on the, on the, on the bank and waiting on the east coast, uh, on, the, on the eastern side of Jericho, and we all know that Jericho was this huge, intimidating city that they had to go into, but, in, but before they go into this city, they pause here and they, and they set up this uh, monument of these stones. If you, were, <laughs> excuse me, if you look back last week, Pastor David shared with us how you know, Joshua commanded 12 men from, the tri- from each, each one from the tribe of Israel to take up 12 stones and take them out of the middle of the river and to bring them out so they could set up a memorial for what God has done. And so that's exactly what they're doing here. They're pausing to set up this memorial. And, uh, and so there's a couple of things that they're looking back on and thinking back on. The first thing I want you guys to see here is that they're remembering of God's great work. Look with me here, verses 19 and 20. There's, this is such... Here's the thing. Sometimes we make the mistake of we just kind of read over stuff, and we don't really read it. We don't really take the time to, to, to let it sink in what's happening here. But I think this is really good. It says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Now, here's, here's the thing. God never puts stuff into the word into his word that doesn't matter. It's never just, oh, well, that's just a little statement he made. Or, there's a reason that he points out that this is the 10th day of the first month. And if you really begin to study and look, you really begin to see that this day, it's called the, the, day, or the 10th day of the first month, which is the Nisan, 40 years prior to this, 40 years to the day, the people marched out of Egypt. This is an amazing picture of what God is doing here. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that 40 years to the day, these people marched out of, out of, out of Egypt, and now they're entering into the promised land. This is a huge thing. There's a significance to it that's placed here because this would have been on everybody's mind. This would have been a huge thing, almost Almost kind of like, um, you know, uh, things that happen in our history. You know, everybody uh, in, in my father's generation, he knew exactly where he was when JFK was assassinated, when our, when our president was assassinated. Most of us in this room, we know exactly where we were and exactly what we were doing on 9-11, right? I mean, I remember it. It'll be something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, and for these people, in a good way, in a positive way, they knew exactly what was happening on these days when they left, when they marched out of Egypt 40 years ago. And so I think that's a really significant point. And the second thing that he points out here is that they camped on Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. I love the name Gilgal. It says the reproach has been rolled away. That's what the name Gilgal means. The reproach has been rolled away. Forty years of spiritual defeat and failure. You remember the, you know, the Israelites, they marched out of Egypt and they had a chance to go into the promised land and they rejected God's promise and they rejected God's faith and they, and they said, no, the people are too big and we're too small. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And even though there was a good and favorable report from Joshua and Caleb, they said, no. And so, and so God's commandment was, well, this whole entire generation is going to die off. And he said, and the next generation is going to have an opportunity to go into. I wish it had not been that way. I wish that you had had the faith to go in and trust me that every place where your feet is going to uh, touch, you're going to own that land, but you didn't trust me. And so here's what's going to happen. So they wandered around the desert in circles just outside 
of the promised land for years and years and years, 40 years. But now they're coming to this place, and they're coming to a city called the Reproach has been rolled away. I don't think that's a coincidence. And here's what's crazy. Uh, another thing that we see here is that God orders that one man would represent each one of the tribes of Israel and take up a stone from the middle of the Jordan River and take that stone out and then take it across to the other side, and then they're going to set up a monument. You know what's so significant to me about that is? They're not taking up a Joshua stone or a Caleb stone. These stones that they're taking up represent each tribe of Israel, represents every single person. Think about every single person crossed over the River Jordan. Now they're taking stones that represent every single person. They're not glorifying or lifting up one person or another. And in our case, we're doing the same thing. You know, we don't, we're not... We don't have a Pastor David stone. You know, there's no Hall of Fame around here where you see Pastor David's head hanging on, on the wall or on a picture or something like that. I, I honestly, I hope there never is anything like that. That'd be weird to see my face on a wall or something, you know. But the point is, you know, that's not what's happening here. You know, this is a stone for everyone. That's why last week as we came forward, Pastor David challenged us to give, to give in faith, but everyone Take up a stone. Even your children in DPK and, and these play, in the side rooms, when they, they had their own stone to take, to take home as a memorial for what God did. This was for all of us. I think that's a huge deal. And then the last thing I want you guys to see here is we kind of walk through verses 19 and 20. It says, which they took out of the Jordan. I love that Joshua asked them to take these stones out of the midst, out of the middle of the Jordan River. The scripture says they took them out of the place where the priests stood with the Ark of the Covenant as all of the people went over, went across the Jordan River. He says, as they walked across, they took these stones from out of the river. Now, the question that I have to ask myself is why? Why take them out of the middle of the river? I mean, why not pick them up on the other side? Or why not pick them up on this side? Or, you know, why not just pick them up out of the woods, you know, out of the, out of the wilderness or whatever? But I think the reality is that Joshua was doing this as a reminder that these stones came from the midst of this raging river that we crossed over. I think the significance here is that even in the midst of this, this terrifying thing, this terrifying force of nature, which was the Jordan River, swollen over with floodwaters and could have killed them all, they took these stones out of the midst of this river as a symbol of God's mercy, of His power, of His provision for them. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why is he doing all of this? He's doing this so that we can remember, to remember what God has done, to testify of what God has done. And we cannot do anything less here as a church, Cross Point. We have to do, we have to remember what God has done for us. The truth is, you know, given man's propensity to forget what God has done over and over again, we forget what God has done. We find ourselves in this place where we forget how God has richly blessed us. We forget how his mercy has covered us. We forget how his grace has made us abundantly rich and wealthy. And, and, and that's not what we want to be. We want to be in a place where we remember what God has done. Even, even in this short time in the, in the word of God, over and over again, God is reminding us to remember him. Look at this. Uh, um, in the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses built an altar of stones to commemorate God's covenant in Exodus 12. Deuteronomy 4, 23, it says, Take care lest you forget. Just a few uh, verses later, Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says again, Then take care lest you forget the Lord has provided for you. Joshua 4, 7, going forward just a little bit, you know, uh, the Lord refers to remembering, this Hebrew word remembering is this, or, or these memorial stones is just that, to remember what God has done. 
The truth is we have to remember, and I don't know about you guys, but I have a terrible, terrible memory. Anybody else got a bad memory in here? Okay, I'm the only one. All right, that's cool. You guys awake? Okay, here's the thing. I, I have a terrible memory. I really struggle with this. I, I can't remember it. it I, I can't remember anything, honestly. I have to write stuff down. I have to have these mnemonic tools that I use to help me remember things. You know, I've got checklists and to-do lists. Uh, me and Janetta talk all the time about checklists. And, you know, honestly, I write these checklists down just so I can remember what I'm supposed to do. If I don't write it down right then and there, I'll forget, you know. And, and so I have these tools that I use. Like, for example, when I get home, I put my keys. I hang them right there on a the little hook right by the door every time because if I do not... They're going to go missing, and then I'm wandering around the house for two hours looking for the keys. One time I found my keys in the refrigerator, okay? I tried to blame it on my children that they must have put the, the keys in the refrigerator until my wife pointed out they were on the top shelf where they couldn't reach. And so, you know, but the reality is I have these little tricks that I use to help me remember what I do. You know, April will tell me, hey, I need you to bring that piece of paperwork home. Don't you forget to bring that paperwork home. I have to take my keys out, my, my car keys, and I put them underneath that thing I'm supposed to bring home. That way I can't get in my truck and go home and forget it. You know, I, I can't leave until I have my keys and that whatever I'm supposed to bring home. You know, we, ha we all kind of have these tools that we use to help us remember. And I think for us, as the people of God, we have, there are certain tools that we can use to help us remember. The first thing that we can do is we can not sit on the sidelines. We cannot sit on the sidelines. How many of you guys have heard this saying before, right? It, it goes something like this. It's like riding a bike. You never forget, right? Well, the truth is, you can forget, you know? I mean, if you practice something and practice something and you learn it and then you stop doing it, you will forget. Now, sometimes it takes longer than others, but the truth is, when we sit on the sidelines, when God is calling us to serve and we don't, we sit on the sidelines, we forget to serve. We forget why we serve. We forget how to serve, to serve with all of our heart. You know, the, the thing is, there's so many people sometimes in our lives that, that just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by as if it's some sort of spectator sport. But God is calling us to be involved, to get involved, to sit on the sideline is just not right for us. The second thing is thankfulness. Man, thankfulness is an amazing way to remember what God is doing. I remember when we moved into this building, we were so thankful for what God has, had done. I mean, just in so many ways, God has grown us uh, spiritually. God had, God had grown us numerically. God had just grown us in so many ways, and we were so thankful for this place, for this facility. And, and now I hear, you know, sometimes we get in this place where we're not all that thankful. We kind of complain and we gripe and there's a lack of thankfulness for God's provisions because we've forgotten where God has taken us from and where he is taking us to. We have to remember and one of the ways to do that is to be thankful for what God has done. Maybe, maybe you're uh, not so much, maybe you're thankful but you find yourself in this place where you're complaining or griping you know, about what God is calling you to do. The reality is God has called us to be thankful. That is how we remember what he has done. And finally, the last thing, how do we remember? We tell it to others. That's a really, really important aspect. We, have, we must tell it to others, which really leads to my second thing I want you guys to see here. Secondly, when we re-examine what God's doing, testifying of God's incredible power. Look at me in verses 21 through 24. It says, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. 
Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You know, I love this, this passage right here, starting in verse 21. It kind of, it's not addressed to the leaders. It's not addressed to the pastors or to the priests. It's addressed to the parents. I think it's important that it points out here, it says, when your, when your children come to you and speak to you and, you and say, what happened here? You're going to speak to them and speak of God's amazing riches and God's amazing glory and God's amazing grace and his amazing mercy over us. It's an amazing piece here. You know, here's the thing I'm convinced of is that Joshua was not concerned about him forgetting what was going to happen. He had seen too many things in his lifetime to ever forget the power and the glory of God. But what Joshua was concerned with is that the next generation may forget, that the next generation may lose sight of what God has done. It's important for us to speak to our children, to tell them of what God is doing, to, to let them know, because maybe they're too young at this point. You know, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and we spend a lot of time re- reminding them over and over again of what God has done and how he has richly blessed us so that one day they'll be able to testify for themselves what God is doing. This is a huge part for us. You know, uh, the second thing I want you guys to hear in verse 23, it says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. You know, I'm sure that all of those people, I'm sure that all these children, they had heard about the passing, the crossing of the Red Sea. Some of them may have even been a part of it, but they were so young, they didn't know. That was the miracle for Joshua and for his generation, but the miracle for this generation was the crossing of the Jordan River. This is something they needed to know about. This is something they needed to be told. This is something they experienced. They crossed over, and maybe some of them were too young at that point, but at one point they would grow up and know that they had crossed over the River Jordan that God had provided for them. I mean, I look at it the same way for us. You know, we moved into this old Winn-Dixie building. That was our miracle. That was something that April and I experienced, but we didn't have children at that time. You know, this experiencing a permanent home for us is, and a place of worship for, this is something that my children are a part of. My children came down here with us as a family, and we, and we placed our offering in the bucket, and we picked up a stone, and we've taken those stones home, and every time we see them, we pray for what God is doing. This is something not just for this generation, but for the next generation to experience and to be a part of. And the question I have for you guys is, what stories are you going to tell your children? What stories are your children going to tell their children? I think this is a really important part of it. You know, every if, if this was a little bit smaller group, kind of like a life group, you know, then maybe we could spend time and we could just celebrate what God has done. You know, one of the coolest things I get to do as a pastor is I get to uh, walk with people through the partnership process and through the baptism process. Uh, you know, as people come and want to be a part, they want to join Crosspoint, if you will. And I get to hear from people, and they get to tell their stories of how they came to Crosspoint and how Crosspoint has impacted their lives and how God has used us to impact their lives and how God is using them. And they, they just want to say, hey, we just want to make it official. We want to be a part of this faith family. And I never get tired of hearing that because we hear this amazing blessing that God has blessed us with. These stories, this testimony, if you will, is what's so important. The Lord, I love this in, in Joshua chapter 4, uh, in verse 7, it says, The Lord refers to the ark 
as the Ark of the Covenant. But then just a few verses later, the Lord refers to this as the Ark of the Testimony. Look at this in verse 16. It says, Command the priest bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan River. What an amazing comparison. Because here's what I, I think the reality is. We have to have that same thing. God was calling the Ark of the Covenant, and then he begins to call the Ark of the Testimony. And that's exactly what we must have. These priests and these people, they carried this Ark of the Testimony with them everywhere where they went. Every place where their soles of their feet touched, they carried this Ark of the Testimony with them. And we have to do the same thing. We have to take our testimony with us everywhere that we go. This is a critical part of who we are. I'm reminded of Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. It is our testimony that is at work within us. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's our testimony that makes us more than conquerors. And so now we come to come to this place in the message. I always have to ask myself this question as a pastor, as I've been preparing and studying for the word, studying the word this, this week, and as God has been speaking to me, I have to ask myself this question. It's a very important question. Anybody? So what? Yeah, some of you guys know. Yeah, so I always have to ask myself this question. So what? So God wants us to remember what he has done. So God wants us to testify of his amazing works. So what? What does that mean for me? So we have to ask ourselves this question. I think it's really important. And here's, here's the incredible thing about this so what to me. I think this so what for us is, is not something we ask in irreverence. It's something that we ask wanting to know from God. God, what do you have in store for me? And what do you have in store for this church as we move forward. I think this so what is important not just to this whole vertical series that we've been a part of over the last couple of weeks and as we go forward next week and we celebrate what God is doing. I think this so what is important to us as a church. I think this is a huge part. We have to ask ourselves, so what? This is really important. Look with me here in verse 24. It says, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You know, we have one more week until we celebrate. And I said this morning that, that all gave some last week. But some didn't give all. For some of us, we still have an opportunity. Some of us, you wrote on your card, still praying, still thinking through what God would have me to give. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. I want you to give exactly what God is calling you to give, not under compulsion, but as the Lord leads you. But I also want to encourage you with this. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this opportunity to pass over the River Jordan together with all of us together. Don't let this moment pass us by. You know, some of, us, some of you guys in, in, in talking with us this week, you know, you said, well, I haven't made a pledge yet. I don't know exactly what I'm going to give. I, we know we're going to give. We're going to support. We know that. But I, I just want to kind of see what, what God has in store. And I want to challenge you. God has called us to pledge and to give, to be a part. There's something that we can celebrate. But more than anything, I want you guys to understand 
that we are not just asking for you simply to write a check and to build a building. That is not what this is about. We are doing this, I love what this says, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God is calling us to to go forward in this vertical campaign, not so that we can just remember where God has taken us from, from 13 people in the living room to this place and then to eventually to a, a future home. God is calling us to be obedient, to go forward, not just so that we can tell our children, so we can testify to our children and to the next generation of what he's doing. God is calling us to move forward in faith so that we can testify to the whole world the mighty hand of God so that we would know and fear him and know him forever. This testimony of ours, it's not just for our children. You know, the the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan was for those people. They crossed over the River Jordan in the face of certain death, in the face of this force of nature that could have killed them all. That was for them. That was their miracle. Just like our miracle was moving in this building just a few years ago, it was a huge deal for us. It was a miracle of faith. But for, for both of us, the miracle was not the point. That was for us. The testimony was for the whole world. The testimony was for this city, for this community, to know that God is doing big things, to know that God is moving in the life of this church. That is our testimony. That's the power of our testimony. You know, our personal victories and our personal battles that we face and that we overcome, that's for us. But when we open our mouths and tell of the testimony of God, it becomes a weapon to defeat the enemy. It becomes a powerful thing that restores people, that sets people free from bondage and from slavery. I mean, it's no wonder that that God wants to, or excuse me, that the enemy wants to smack us down. He wants to defeat us. He wants to destroy us because he knows that the power of God is in our tongue. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, are in the power of our testimony. You know, your testimony says the enemy attacked, but he couldn't beat me. I was beaten, but not destroyed. I was cast down, but he couldn't kill me. I got cancer, and that couldn't kill me. And then the drugs that tried to kill the cancer, those tried to kill me too, and that couldn't kill me. My friend Davis Renfro, who should have died in a car accident, and he's still alive. He should have died of traumatic brain injuries, and yet he's still here. He's a living, breathing testimony of what God can do, of God's mercy, of God's grace, of God's provision. Over and over again, our testimony can change lives. My testimony says I was attacked. My my character was attacked, but my integrity persevered. My finances were attacked. And I said, you can take my money, but you cannot take my joy. Over and over again, our testimony tells us that we, I love this in Psalms, it says, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever thought about, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and I came out on the other side. That's my testimony. Our testimony tells to the world that we walk through the fiery furnace and we survive. Our testimony tells us that we walk through deep waters and we didn't drown. And not only that, we say, Lord, take us into even deeper waters. That's the power of our testimony. But 
And there's this huge but in all of our lives. Stay with me here. Some of us in here, we have this amazing testimony. But we let the word but get in the way. We say to ourselves, I want to study my Bible more, but I'm so tired in the morning. I'm so tired at night. I want to develop spiritual disciplines, but I lack self-control. I want to worry less, but you don't know what I'm going through. It seems my life is coming down on top of me. I need to share Jesus with my friend, but I don't deal with confrontation very well. Over and over again, these buts. We just don't need, nobody needs a big but, you guys. That's just the bottom line. It's just too much negativity in our life. We Over and over again, we do that. We allow our past, we allow our testimony that God means for good, and we allow it to be something that keeps us in fear. We need to take that but I. You know, I, I want more of Jesus, but I'm so tired. I want to worry less, but I'm so scared. We need to take that, and we need to replace it with but God. I've said it before, it's two of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture, but God. Because as we replace but I with but God, our testimony grows and it is stronger and it reaches more and more. I want to read just a few places in Scripture, a few of the dozens of places in Scripture. Just do a little Google search for but God and you'll be impressed, you'll be amazed. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. Amen? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of my personal favorites. Brothers and sisters, think what you were when you were first called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. That's me. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I love this. Paul says, from prison, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word will never be chained. Amen? That is the testimony. That is the power of God working through us. Our testimony can change lives. There's an amazing little piece in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 9. We miss it sometimes. We skip right over it. It says that in the midst of crossing the river, in the midst of the 12 tribes of Israel grabbing a stone and taking it across, it says Joshua fashioned an altar right there in the middle of the Jordan. Read it. It's crazy. He says, in the midst of all this, he says he took 12 stones and he pulled them together into a, into a memorial there in the midst of the Jordan River, right where the, the, the priest stood with the Ark of the Covenant. So the priest stood there, and as they're standing there waiting for all the people to cross, Joshua, he's building an altar 
right in the middle of the river. And then a few verses later, it says, and as the priests walked across, they were the last to walk across. As they walked across, it says, the rivers returned to where they were all the way up to their flood status. It says, and those, those stones were covered up. Why would Joshua build an altar in the middle of the river where no one could see the stones? And I don't know, the Bible doesn't really tell us exactly why. Here's what I think. I think that Joshua built these, he built this altar, first of all, because God told him to. But I think that Joshua built these knowing that the river would cover them up. The Bible says to this day they're still there. I don't know where there is, but they're still there. But he knew that these would be, here's what I think these stones represented. I think the stones they took into Gilgal and they stood up represented God's glory, God's mercy, and God's victory over his people. I think these stones represented the people's defeat, the people's regret, the people's failure to follow God and all these things. And I think that Joshua wanted these stones to be covered up by the Jordan River. All the people knew they were there. God can use your story. God can use your testimony in a powerful, powerful way. I love this. Revelations 12 tells us they triumphed over him. This is the enemy. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Somebody is going to be delivered because of your testimony if you only have the courage to share your testimony. Someone is going to be saved by your testimony. Someone is going to be led to the Lord because of your testimony. Someone's life might be changed because of your testimony. We were talking this morning in the green room right before we came out, and Pastor uh, Spence was sharing with us. There was a, a gentleman who came up to our church on Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, and he was very distraught very much in bondage to drugs and alcohol. So much to the point where we had, it was not something we could deal with. We had to call some people and they had to come and take him to a facility where he could be treated, where he could have rehabilitation. Pastor Spence, he told us this story this morning, right before he left, because they talked with him probably for an hour, an hour and a half. He said, right before he left, he came back and he hugged Spence and he said, thank you for talking to me. He said, and when all this is over, when I, get, when I get finished with all of this stuff and when I get out of rehab, he says, I'm going to come back here because I have a story to tell. I don't know about you guys, but I have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. Maybe sometimes we think our story is not amazing because it doesn't involve drugs and alcohol and some sort of magnificent saving from the Lord. Maybe it's just my story is that I was saved by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ when I was six years old. And God, by his grace and his mercy and his perseverance, has allowed me to follow him for 30 years. That's a testimony that will reach people. Maybe your story is something different than mine. But we know this, your story, your testimony is going to heal someone. Your story and your testimony, they're going to, people are going to receive boldness and strength that they need. Maybe someone's on the edge of a nervous breakdown and because of your story. Maybe someone's at the edge and they just want to end it all. And your story can provide the strength to go one more day. Why? so that all the people of the earth will know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God 
forever. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing and we're going to worship God and we're going we're gonna to have a time where we come together and we stand and, and maybe for some of you in this room, like you're going to be like me and you're just going to stand on that front row and just jump, bounce, you know? Because God has saved you and you have a story and a testimony. Maybe for some of you in here, you have regret because your story and your testimony, the ability you have to lead others to Jesus, you've not been using, you've not been utilizing. Maybe you need to get on your face and repent that. and Make a commitment to testify of God's great works in your life, no matter what it costs you. For Paul, it cost him prison and eventually his life. Maybe it costs you the same thing. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe for the first time you've realized that you don't have a story. You don't have a testimony. Maybe your testimony began just today because you put your faith and your trust in the Lord. Maybe today for the first time you realize that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Come down and see us. Talk to us. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. Let us help you on your journey. I'll say this. Whatever we have to do, we have business with God this morning. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for the truth of your word that you have called us to re-examine in this quiet time in this quiet place before we move forward, before we celebrate what you've done, before we break ground, before we build. Pray that we would pause today to re-examine what you have done in our lives and what you are doing and what you are calling us to. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember your great works. Pray that we would not sit on the sidelines, that we would not be thankless, that we would be thankful, that we would serve you with thankful hearts for what you have done. I pray that we would tell others, not just our children, not just the next generation, but that we would tell the whole world that the whole world might know the mighty hand of God, that we might know your mighty hand. Father, I pray as we go forward, help us to understand and to know, to believe and to grasp onto that we are not just called to build a building. God has called us to build up generations of disciples. Father, I pray this morning as we come to this last time, as we worship you, Pray that your spirit would be upon us, that you would move us, but not just here, but that you would send us out of here with a message on our lips, that your spirit would move us to share with all who would hear. And Father, we pray and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.